Do you want to introduce yourself, Carl? I edit the podcast. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's just get one laugh out the way. Let's get all the jitteriness and like the awkwardness. Oh, we're going to laugh a lot. Uh, hello, everyone. This is a very, very special episode. Uh, today we used uh, the uh, the comms room at the bunker and uh, some other ancillary uh, spaces to make phone calls for the candidate for the Queen's DA, the district attorney, Tiffany Caban. She is an, uh, an incredible candidate. She's going to be uh, a candidate who's going to make incredible change and material change. So I had a bunch of activists over today to make phone calls on her behalf. Uh, obviously, I didn't make the phone calls because, you know, people don't like speaking to me on the phone. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to do today something I haven't done uh, so far, but I'm probably going to be doing more of in the future. I'm turning this over to uh, activist extraordinaire and returning champion, Kobe Ellens. Kobe, take it away. What's up, everyone? Um, this is Kobe Owens, and you are on with the Late Night Show. No, I'm joking. Um, we are here. It's been a good vibe all day. I've been up and back, back and forth um, from New York um, these last few weeks, um, working on the Tiffany campaign. Um, it, it's a race that is going to change um, the dynamics of Queens, um, New York, for... God knows how long if Tiffany's able to pull this off. Um, you have every progressive group coming together to work on this campaign. CPT Action, uh, Working Families Party um, are two of the main ones. But my God, she has been able um, to um, galvanize a base of support um, that has spread throughout the nation. And I, I think this just goes along with what we're wanting to see in 2020 2020 seems to be a year of criminal justice reform. Um, we're doing a lot here in Delaware. We could be doing more, um, but we are off to a great start. Um, and I can't wait until, um, what happens on June 30th down in Dover, um, and see what passes and what gets pushed off until next January. Um, and moving forward from that. But yeah, I have some, um, special guests in a room with me today. Um, I have, um, Mr. Action Anderson. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so you want to introduce yourself? Tell us what you do. Uh, I am Action Anderson. Anderson Everett, Everett Anderson. Whatever you happen to uh, be introduced to me first. What do I do? What do I do? I do a lot. A lot of behind the scenes stuff. This is my first time. First off, it's an honor. He left the room. But it is an honor to be here. I've heard many friends and uh, accomplices on here before so it's great to be here myself i'm not used to being in front of any type of camera or microphone it's okay we so. have no cameras here just okay just microphones but just you know i'm a behind the scenes person so i don't really talk about what i do very often but uh i do some organizing here and there so yeah i mean we have a lot going on here in delaware and what i want to make this podcast about is talk about the progressive movement um, and just a movement of people getting involved, especially these last few years. Um, I know uh, you've been doing a lot of work 
um, especially around creating a Delaware Black Caucus, a part of the Delaware Democratic Party. Um, but also, your shirt, I was with you when you got it, yes. Medicare for All, yes. um, and being a hero um, with CBT action. But um, what is what is going on? What do you feel as though this new movement of younger activists here in Delaware is becoming? It's a great topic, actually. It's great to see. So even with the with the formation uh, of this new caucus, I wanted to provide a safe and inclusive space. I know those are buzzwords that we hear a lot, but a lot of younger folks, especially younger folks of color, don't feel particularly welcome in all spaces at all times. Uh, we're usually good enough for campaign workers, which are generally underpaid. <laughs> I'd like to see some unions going into 2020. So if you plan to run, please at least pay your campaign staffers a livable wage. The system is set up off the backs of younger folks. So younger folks are doing the work and it's like, okay, after you've done the work, now you can fall into the background and be quiet. And it's not just a younger folks thing. It's happened to black people. It's happened to especially women of color time and time again. And I think that now with all the energy that we see, there's a lot more concentration on like, hey, maybe these people who have been disenfranchised needs needs to be on the front lines. Uh, so it's it's a really beautiful thing to see. See, it's it's funny you bring that up. Um, just recently, a few a few months ago, um, Sherry Bustos, the chairwoman of the DCCC Democratic um, campaign arm for the House side of things, um, she put out a directive, a policy saying that if any um, vendor works with a um, primary challenger to an incumbent house dem, they will, in essence, be taken off the, the vendors list, a.k.a. blacklisting them. Um, studies show that a lot of startup vendors, a lot of these smaller-time vendors, period, um, are minority vendors. They are women. They are people of color. Um, this directive would hurt them more than it would hurt some of the more establishment um, organizations. Granted, this is probably a direct shot at Justice Democrats and what Alex Rojas and um, Nassim are doing over there. And I I love them both to death. Um, I threw down with them for the Kerry campaign. um, And I consider both of them friends. Um, But this is another attack um, at minorities. And I think it's... um, important for the Democratic Party, especially at the state levels, to finally speak up about this um, because we are, are the big tent party, right? The very fabric of our democracy is the fact that we are supposed to have open and fair elections. And by literally you're tying primary opponents' hands behind their back because people are so scared to choose between doing and working for a um, candidate that they believe in and a candidate whose values they believe in, um, then their livelihood, right? You're literally attacking what every person needs. That's food on the table. That's money to pay your rent, money to pay your um, your car note whatsoever. This is one of the most undemocratic policies I've seen in a long time that comes strictly from the Democrats, not the Republicans, strictly from the Democrats. Um, and it goes against everything, right? We, we talk time and time again about how we're supposed to be inclusive to um, people who are more conservative-minded and independent. But when it comes to the more progressive-minded, the, the far left, as some call it, 
Um, it seems as though they just want those people to fall in line. Um, they don't do opinion polling to see what they really want. When, and honestly, it, it, branding someone as radical for simple policies, um, I don't think is good for the Democratic Party. Honestly, the Democratic Party is supposed to be the party of the people. Um, there's supposed to be the party that stands up and fights for everyone's rights, and whether it's healthcare, reproductive rights, um, we have taken great steps, but it, it's still a long way from being complete. We must repeal the Hyde Amendment. We must stand up and say that not only do we need healthcare and access to healthcare, we need affordable healthcare. And whether you agree that a single payer is the way or a better option, you have to come to that common ground that people are struggling because of healthcare. We are the richest nation in the world. And people are using um, GoFundMe as yeah. their primary insurance. <laughs> that That is what they're getting their bills paid through. Um, and looking at that, you know, it all goes back to who we're getting in office. It's all about who's working on those campaigns, who's having the opportunity and the proper training um, to organize communities. There are people out there who vote against their interests every day, but they do not understand the fact that in a primary, you may be voting for a Democrat, and that's great, but let's look and see what Democrat best represents your values. A lot of people just know they're supposed to go vote, and I think that's sad that it's on the candidates and the campaigns um, to really educate them about what's going on, whether it's in D.C., Dover, or Wilmington. I think you uh, you raised a lot of interesting points. I remember my first interaction when I first saw that uh, that decision from the D C, right? Yeah. Uh, I first saw that decision. I followed. There's a great political technology startup. Uh, I know them as acronym, but they they develop a lot of tools that essentially help candidates reach out to what are going to be younger audiences. A lot of them are digital based tools. Uh, so with digital organizing on the rise, it's 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 an interesting thing to see, right? So it's like you see these tools on the rise. They in direct response to that decision, they started a I think. Don't quote me here. The website is something like DCCCBlacklist.com that has a list of all the vendors who are basically saying, hey, I don't care. We're going to work with progressive causes and progressive candidates to bring about change. Uh, it was really interesting to see that. So I don't remember who it was. I hate to misquote him. I probably will. But basically, there's a common and I, I agree with it. And I've heard a lot of other people who agree with it. What we have now at this point is like Democrat, the Democratic Party is a is very it's a diverse party, right? So the big tent party, but we have, we're starting to see now is different groups. I mean, you could probably split the left into what five or six different main divisions, mm -hmm. but right now it's, you don't want to be Republican. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? If you, if you don't want to be super conservative, uh, smacking people in the head with a Bible or whatever the case is, then you pretty much have to be a Democrat. And like, I think that's why we're starting to see some of the issues that we're seeing. Uh, I really hated to see that decision because it also highlights a a lot, a lot of attention is placed to racial division, but I think there's a huge uh, generational division at play here. I worked for the party, so I've met a lot of folks uh, recently. Worked for the state party. Go Democrats, Delaware State Democratic Party. He is not party. on this podcast <laughs> representing the views um, of the anybody. Democratic 
party or uh, any other organization or like any in the black other caucus today uh, this is all my personal views but i mean even you see it everywhere i'll just i'll just say that you see this generational gap i remember we calling calling people to get them out to vote there was a lot of especially when it came to school funding the conversation was either younger folks who wanted to see more increased school funding uh college funding things like that and you had the people who are my kids are done school i don't care about educational funding and and what have you and like that decision kind of highlights that that generational gap that we that we're seeing over and over and with millennials becoming the next biggest voting block i think it'll be really interesting to see that divide between millennials and uh baby boomers no, I, I definitely agree with you on the generational divide. Um, if you look at what happened in 2018 and the fact that we were able to win so many House seats, um, it was directly because of young people um, organizing and mobilizing like we haven't seen in, in decades, right? We got out and we were able to register um, millions of new voters, um, whether it was ex-felons, whether it was just young people transitioning into their adult lives and picking up that responsibility of becoming a, a voter. Um, we voted in the masses. We voted um, because we want comprehensive gun reform. We voted because we want immigration reform that is humane and just um, and is welcoming to people because we're all here as either immigrants or slaves or people came over here um, and things hasn't always been better and America hasn't always been the greatest country um, to, to minorities, but um, it's no other place I would rather be. Um, we voted for health care. We voted um, to stop what was going on with Trump care and the fact that they were trying to repeal Obamacare. But we also said that that wasn't far enough. We want to see health care become more affordable and accessible for all people. Um, we voted in in in. <sighs> We voted in support of Planned Parenthood because we believe that women's reproductive rights are not only um, just for women, but it's a health care and it's a human right. Um, and that if you, it does not matter if you are a woman, a man, non-binary, trans or whatsoever, that everyone should have the right and access um, to whatever they need from Planned Parenthood. Um, Time and time again, you, we are seeing what is going on in Alabama, Mississippi, um, Oklahoma, um, Ohio with heartbeat bills and stuff like that. Um, and the first people to stand up and really fight back are the young, young people because they're going to be affected by these decisions for decades on end. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see. Um, hopefully our planet lasts more than the next, you know, <laughs> 30 years. Um because that's another thing. We are seeing people led by the Sunrise Movement stand up and fight for environmental justice and fight for the fact that they want to have the opportunity to screw up just like our parents have. Um, and, and I say it like that because here's the thing. This generation now who is denying us the fact that climate change is real, that our planet is hurting and it needs healing and that it's time to transition to renewable energy, um, they are still stuck in their old ways. Um, and they will not be here long enough to reap the real benefits of what's actually going on right now. Um, so I, I think right now the Democratic Party is at an influx of where exactly do we want to go? 
And I'm not saying we should leave anyone behind, but what I am saying is if you are an elected official under the Democratic Party um, mantra or banner or whatever you want to call it, you are saying that you agree to what our platform is. And in 2016, both in Delaware and on um, the national level, the DNC level, we passed the most progressive, most progressive platform ever, which called for comprehensive gun reform. It called for increasing the minimum wage. It called for um, renewable energy and addressing um, some deeply rooted environmental injustices that we see in communities that mainly affect communities of color. Um, this time and time again, um, great movements are led by the youth. Um, so for those who want to be um, against the young people and say they don't know, um, you are picking what side of history you will be on. Um, because I guarantee you, we will continue to organize and we will bring that energy and that knowledge to the fight with us. Well, if nothing else, we'll just outlive them, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, That's what we got out of know, all that? I mean, no, but there's, you, there's, right? a lot, there's a lot to be taken out of all that. Uh, I don't know. I guess I just kind of had some questions. It's just kind of... So, Go I think, ahead and I think, me. We I think can switch this roll up. We, we'd be a little off base here if we didn't acknowledge that it's two black guys right now. It is two black guys. On this guys. podcast. And for the so, first time ever. For the first, for the first time, time ever. ever. That's that's awesome. History oh, it had to do with Kirk Rob out. Okay. <laughs> we should invite him back. I'm curious to you know, know his thoughts on some things. But He's generally pro-young people. Okay. He is. All right. Is. I just I would, I would like to hear your thoughts as far as how this plays out in communities of color more so. All these, the progressive, I've never met. I mean, I hear, you, you always say this, oh, they... And we've talked about this before. It's always a lot of, oh, they don't like this and they don't like that. But it's like me going around my everyday. I'm not sure if these are the conversations that I'm hearing. I know that their conversations heard other places. But let's talk about Delaware and the black community. Okay. And the progressive community and all the other communities that make up Delaware. Let's keep it local here. How does how do how do you with those confines in place? What do you what do you feel like we could be doing in Delaware? to make, make it a more progressive state. Because I mean, even when we get back to, as we were talking about earlier with the 10 different types of Democrats, I think we see that in Delaware. I mean, we have the, mm -hmm. we have the house, we have the Senate. We have, oh, we the, have everything, here. the executive. We but... have everything here. We have every statewide office. We have a majority in the house. We have a majority in the Senate. Um, we have the largest city as well too. Yeah. Um, we have, Everything here that we could wish for, we have all of county. Uh, well, you, all you of say we have everything county. that we could wish for because I think there's a little bit more we could be wishing for right now. I'm talking about for the Democratic Party, for the party, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm does, not speaking for the party, I'm right. just saying as a Democrat, we have Democrats in all those okay. offices. Um, and what we're seeing is inactivity, right? So we are seeing some great push. Um, some great initiatives being pushed. Um, Val Longhurst is doing an amazing job with her women's package. And it seems as though each year, um, I don't know how, but each year it just gets better and better um, with what she's pushing for equality when it comes to gender equality here in Delaware. Um, you have um, 
State Representative Stephanie Bolden, who's the longest serving African-American woman in Delaware history, um, who now has support of seven new um, people down in Dover. Right? That's awesome. Seven new yeah. African-American elected officials down there with her. Um, and that caucus, the Delaware Legislative Black Caucus, is being led by Senator Darius Brown, my senator, my state senator. Okay. Um, and Sherry Dorsey Walker, the representative third district, is the vice chair. Um, seeing what how they're working as a group and what they're pushing for, and um, Darius really taking the charge on criminal justice reform, um, working with Kathy and everyone like that. Um, we are seeing good pushes, um, but then we have to address other issues. So it's no reason why our minimum wage bill should not be getting through this go-round. It is no reason why... Um, I understand that compromises were made last year about the youth and training wage, but it's no reason why we shouldn't repeal that now. Um, saying that we could set a different wage just because you're younger um, is a slap in the face to every young person in Delaware. And I hope that every young person that is affected by this gets out and vote and vote the people who made that deal. Michael Ramon, uh, 21st RD, vote him Okay, out. saying names. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. We had the opportunity with Stephanie Barry last go round, um, but she did get a late start in the race. I hope that she runs again, um, and I I really hope that young people really get out and help her out um, because Mike has to go. Um, and this whole oh well, Mike's not that bad. He hasn't been that bad. Um, just one or two issues. No, he got to go. Um, and his buddy in the twenty second can go as well too. I know he's new. But he can go to his buddy. Okay. Who else needs to go? Since you're just on a roll right now. Well, don't say anything that needs to be edited out later. <laughs> well, I, no, I, I really do um, think in 2020 um, we have two Senate seats that are held by Republicans that were in the top six um, that voted for Hillary yeah. Clinton. Yeah. Um, SD five. Um, and Kathy Cloutier, who, you know, she is one of the nicest people you will meet. And this is nothing personal against her, but she doesn't vote with the Democratic Party. Um, she does vote with us a good amount of times. Um, but on some key issues, he, she either chooses not to vote with us or she chooses not to be in the chamber. And whatever her reasoning is, um, that is unacceptable. It's not what the district wants. Um, so I think it's an opportunity that if we put up a good candidate there, um, that we could really give those people what they want. Um, and um, the next district is SD7. Um, Anthony was able, to, uh, Senator Del Colo was able to win that seat. <laughs> that must um, be your homie, right? <laughs> he was able to win that seat um, in 2016. Um, I, I think there was a lot of things going on. Um, I think people took that race kind of lightly um, and he was able to slip in. I, I really think um, that we have to show the people of the seventh district that as Democrats, we care about what their issues are. We care about what's going on there. Um, and what is our plan to address that? And again, that comes with a strong candidate who understands the district. Um, and I know, um, that Dave Woodside's going to do some good work. He did. He made some strides this year, picking up um, SD4, um, beating Greg Lavelle with Laura Sturgeon, okay. and um, beating um, Deb Hudson um, with um, Krista Griffiths. Um, so I, I I truly believe he'll be able to do it again, at least um, in one of the House races and in one of the Senate races, um, and really, really 
solidify our stronghold here in Newcastle County. But I also want to look at Kent and Sussex. I think a lot of time the Democratic Party there is overlooked. Um, and again, this goes a part of being that big tent party. Um, their views aren't the same as Newcastle County Democrats. Um, so looking at what fits the area down there the best um, and making sure we hold on to some seats. Um, I will say I may not agree with Bruce Ennis uh, on a lot of things, um, but every time me and Bruce talk, he's honest with me. He tells me how how he's going to vote. He tells me where he stands on thing, and that is respectable. Um, he represents his district very well. Um, and I, I think that's why he stayed in so long. And I would love to see him get reelected if he decides to run again. Um, but making sure we hold that seat and making sure we hold a few other seats down there as well, too. And maybe, maybe, please, um, we could pick up um, a seat down in Sussex. I, I really think I was really excited about Don Allen's race um, last Great go round. Guy. Yeah. Um, I, I really think the 36 RD, um, is a prime location as well as maybe like in a Seifer area, um, and, and give Danny short a run for his money. Um, but then also we have the 20th, um, the 20th, I think is probably the most likely to elect a Democrat, um, in 2020. That's a lot of interesting thoughts. I was just actually just sitting here looking at some data. I wish I would have shared it with Carl so he could uh, jump in this. I just kind of did like a little analysis of the makeup of our chambers. So there's different random fun facts like the house is, let's see, 75% male. I mean, I think in Delaware, in Delaware, we actually have a few women are the higher majority by a little bit. It's like 52%. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's interesting that 75% of the house is male. The Senate is actually a little worse at 76% male. Uh, when you start getting in a race, it really goes up there. 81% white people in the Senate. Uh, the House, 85%. So do you think that electing more diverse people, like how does that fit into the narrative of, because I mean, what's even more interesting, I think the most interesting thing from this is if you start actually looking at how the districts break down in a democratic registration, I think there are about at least five. I haven't taken a moment. So I'm gonna need to really look at it, but at least five districts have a Democratic majority with Republicans sitting in those seats. So is there gonna be more diversity replacing those with Democrats, maybe of color, maybe uh, female candidates? Or what do you think about when they get into the, well, we need to have Republicans in there. I mean, if every seat is Democrat, is a, is a Democrat in every seat, that seems like it can also pose some issues. Yeah, I mean, either where we do have Democratic um, advantage, uh, vote, voter registration advantages, we're not going to be able to get a Democrat in that seat um, simply because some people who are registered as Democrats don't even realize that they're Democrats. And I've met a lot of people on the doors like That's that, fine. especially yeah. Yeah. Um, when I canvassed downstate um, who, you know, at the time they may have registered at the DMV as a Democrat. Um, because their parent was, but, you know, they completely agree with the Republican Party and they just vote. Um, they don't really look at their voter cards or whatsoever when they come each year. And that's fine. Um, but I do think there is opportunity to have more women um, and more people of color elected to office. I think 2020, um, 
based on what's going on with the presidential election. It'll be a prime opportunity for that. Um, and I really do think um, that the Democratic Party sees that. If you look at 2018, we had one of the most um, diverse slates um, after the September primary ever. Um, we had women of color. Uh, we had women, period. Um, running up and down the, the, the state, we had the most women statewide candidates ever. We, we won a statewide position that was traditionally held by a man. Um, in the auditor's race, um, we elected um, um, Colleen Davis and Kathleen Jennings. Um, we sent Lisa back to D.C. as the U.S. representative. Um, so it, it was so many different things that we had going on um, right there. Then we had an amazing upstart campaign um, that really highlighted the Delaware progressive movement here and Carrie Evelyn Harris. Um, and I may be biased, but it's okay. Um, cause I was on that campaign. We worked our butts off. Um, and I am unapologetic about anything that came out of that campaign because what it did was it gave every Delawarean, um, who voted in that democratic primary a opportunity to voice where they stand and whether we knocked on your door or called you or not, um, there was a lot of people who just did not know anything but the establishment way. Um, and when we were able to talk to them about what's going on and what we can be going uh, going forward with, um, they were supportive of us. Um, and, and it doesn't stop there, right? So we want to keep that momentum going. Um, I, I think 2020 is going to be a big year for a lot of things. Um, I definitely say um, and see, um, more minority candidates finally gearing up to run. Um, and that's throughout the board. Everyone always looks at, um, the city of Wilmington, but, um, I can guarantee you there's going to be more minorities, um, throughout Newcastle, Kent, and Sussex. Um, so I, I am very excited, um, to see where it goes. And the host is back. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. So for 2020, um, what are you hoping to see get out of 2020? What am I hoping to see in 2020? I'm, I'm hoping to see. I'm hoping to see change, right? So. And I, this is where I might fall into a disagreement with a, a lot of folks here. Like, I'm so not worried about the presidential election like I intentionally pledged to myself a while ago that I would not comment on it at all. I am excited to watch the debates coming up here soon, but I will not publicly state any opinion on anything. Maybe Senate. I think more people should be running for Senate, but as far as anything, any executive races, I don't care. I don't, I'm just, I'm tuned out. I'd like to see a lot more attention paid to local races. I'm talking school board, city council, county council, whatever your local jurisdictions are maybe governor maybe races like the ag not necessarily in delaware but just abroad because those are the folks that are supposed to stand up to this type of foolishness that we're seeing at the executive level and i feel like and i'm just going to end it here but i feel like one of the biggest cons that we're have been pulled on the american <laughs> okay well i'm gonna say this then one of the biggest cons pulled on folks right now is all of this attention paid to the presidential race when if things work the way they're supposed to be work it wouldn't even matter like Nine times out of ten, it's the local races that are going to affect your daily life. That's what's going to affect your roads, your just just 
your daily life, the things that you run into in, in, in your daily are affected by local leadership. And it's time that we shine a light on that, pay more attention to these local races, school boards, and like I said, city councils and county councils. So I'm, I'm hoping that, I'm hoping there'll be more energy for state level and lower races than this presidential, but it's a pipe dream. I don't, I don't see it happening. No, I completely agree with you. Um, I, I, I do care about the presidential race, but I am a big opponent of advocating for people who are running for U.S. Senate um, because whether or not we beat Mitch McConnell in Kentucky, we could take away his power. Um, and that's by winning five seats in the U.S. Senate to make sure that any Democratic president is able to push legislation. And if they're not willing to push it, then we will hold them accountable. But we have to give them the opportunity to do that. So I I, I really ask that people pay attention to some key races. Um, there's a race going on in South Carolina, Jamie Harrison, um, who is a good friend of mine, who I am very um, happy that he is running. He he has had an impact on the nation right now um, with his um, he pushed for each state party to get ten thousand dollars um, a month um, to address uh, to flipping um, districts from red to blue um, and just addressing overall party operations. Um, and I, I think that played a huge part in us being able to flip two seats um, and, and pick up Laura Sturgeon and Krista Griffith here in Delaware. So please watch him, pay attention to him, donate to him. Um, hit me up if you want to go down and volunteer um, or phone bank here. But also there's some other key races going on um, in Colorado. There is about seven people running. Um, pay attention to Colorado. Pay attention to Alabama. Pay attention to Texas. Pay attention to Georgia. Um, and Maine. Maine is going to be a huge race. I, I know the two um, women who are running in that race. I, I've gotten to know them a lot, especially since the Kavanaugh hearings. Um, they are both amazing. Um, I, I think um, right now I'm leaning more towards Betsy, um, but they are both amazing. Um, so whatever one, please um, please donate to them or go up there and volunteer or phone bank. Um, but yeah, no, 2020 is going to be extremely important. And like Anderson said, um, Action Anderson. Action Anderson. I, mean, I was going to get it right. Yeah. Action Anderson. <laughs> the brand, uh, man. The brand. ActionAnderson.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think he's right. It's it's all about the local races in 2020 as well too, um, and building that bench of building a strong, um, organized effort to make sure that voices are being heard and uh, that are affecting your day to day life. Um, and I think that's why, um, in 2020. I really, I, I'm really excited about this, um, that we're going to work um, and really push for some amazing candidates um, that some of you may know and some of you um, may not know yet. Um, but please um, follow me, Kobe J. Owens, um, on Twitter. Um, and also follow my Facebook page. I'm going to be promoting some amazing people. I'm going to keep you up to date on what's going on, not only in Wilmington, but in Newark, um, Dover, um, and all local races, as well as uh, state races as well, too. That's awesome. I was about to say something. I'm blank. I'm blanking. Yeah, I was oh, can, how about this? Can we can we please, like, right, can we just make a pledge? So we got the, the debates coming up, right? 20 candidates made the cut. I want to I want to start this pledge right here today. I hope this makes it in. Whoever the 
with the same criteria that was applied this time, right? Let's apply that, that general same criteria. Whoever the bottom 10 are, let's as, as the people, as the grassroots, as the, just stop supporting them. No more donations. No more. I don't even want to mention their name. Like, come on. Cause it's, it, it gets to a point where it's just like, all right, choice is great. Right. But is there's a such thing called analysis paralysis. Yes. And with 20 choices, it's just ridiculous. And it's like, okay, even if you win, right, with all the attention that's being paid to that one seat, even if you win, what's going to happen when you can't get anything done? Yeah, I mean, presidential elections suck up all the money. Um, I definitely think some of the generic candidates, the Tim Ryans, the Steph Maltons, uh, the Mike Bennett's, the um, Steve Bullock's, I, I actually, I am a huge fan of Steve Bullock, but he needs to drop. All of those guys need to drop. I think um, some of the non-traditional candidates who are running, um, and when I say non-traditional, I mainly mean minority um, or women, um, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Julian Castro. Um, this isn't a non-traditional candidate, but Jay Inslee. Um, I think some of the policies that they are pushing right now um, are, are amazing, especially Jay Inslee when it comes to environmental and climate change and Eric Swalwell when it comes to gun, um, comprehensive gun control. Um, there are much needed conversations that I want to see right now, but I, I think neither one of those two have a clear path to victory. Um, and hopefully once they get their message out there and once it starts becoming normalized by some of the other major candidates that they are willing to drop out. But also, um, you know, I support who I support. Um, Who's that? The person I support. Okay. Um, (laughs) But I will say as a black man in America who fears for his life every time I have an interaction with a police officer or whenever I go into the deep south in some areas or either when I go into Elkton Merlin, um, seeing people like Kamala Harris and Cory Booker um, running for office and um, what that just means um, for a whole demographic of people here, um, I completely understand. The same thing with Julian Castro um, and what he is doing. Um, then you have some other people like Bernie, um, like Elizabeth Warren, who are pushing policies that I align with more ideology. Or ideolo- what he said. Um <laughs> It's, it's something that I'm also excited about as well, too. Um, and then, you know, you, you have the hometown guy um, running um, my cats. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> joke, no, keep that part in. <laughs> well, keep my cats in. Um, healing America. Um, but no, it is great to see two Delawareans running um, for president and really putting us on a map there. Yeah. It, Actually, you know what? I, I would be rude. Um, it's three. Uh, Scott Walker. Um, in the white bread industry. Right there? No, I'm joking. Um, he dropped out. He did drop out? Yeah, he dropped out. Oh, dang. I'm just going to say, because I don't have an opinion on this, I would just like to see. I'm, I plan to vote for whoever wins the nomination. And I hope that we can all agree on that. Just whoever wins the, the primary. Who would you be supporting April 28th? The primary day didn't change. Did the primary day change? What's up with the primary bill? I don't know. Who would I be supporting? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so the primary bill, um, 
I don't think. Yeah, like I don't think it's going to go into effect um, in 2020. Um, so I don't think a lot of people have to worry about that. Um, I would love to do another guest um, hosting session uh, with the prime sponsor of that bill and kind of see um, where we can go as a state and what needs to be done to get it through. I, and if I remember correctly, it passed with bipartisan support um, in the House. Um, and right now it's in the Senate. Um so just seeing what the Senate w wants to see with that um, and how we can make that happen, because I do believe it will um, increase um, voter turnout overall. And if I remember correctly, um, our amazing producer, Carl, um, did the breakdown um, and it, it's almost 70,000 um, difference between what um, who votes. No. Oh, yes. Um, who votes um in the presidential election to who votes in our state um, primary election. Um, and then we have the general election. And I, honestly, I just think it's too many different dates. It's confusing to some people, especially people who aren't as engaged as the rest of us. Um, but that does not mean just because they're not as engaged as the rest of us does not mean their vote does not matter. Um, everyone should have the opportunity to voice their opinion about the Delaware political system here. Um, and, you know, I, I've heard a lot of different arguments on, oh, well, you know, they would just be uneducated voters. That is the incorrect thing to say. Um, and I am very disappointed in some of the people who I'm hearing that from. Um, and hopefully they learn why it's so important um, for everyone to have the opportunity. And the fact, especially for me, um, I, I my uncles, my my grandfather, my grandmother, they they marched in the streets for the opportunity to vote. Um so just trying to explain that to some of my cousins on the importance of voting um, is, you know, is key to me. And the fact is, and I tell this to my cousins all the time, um, don't you dare come to me and complain about anything if you decided not to vote. Um, and, you know, whether we win or lose, if you vote, then you can talk to me. Um, but yeah. No, it, it's it's something that I think increasing voter access here, um, which is a key, key democratic value. It's in our platform. Um, I, I think it's something that we need to really um, look to address. You know, it would have been great is if we actually pulled up the platform to see that, like, it's weird. This words are important, right? I know we discuss semantics a little bit here but it's, it's interesting that it's like oh the progressives are pushing this the progressives are pushing this but like the actual mainstream if you look take a look the mainstream platform is pretty progressive it just seems like only those labeled us as progressives are the one fighting for it. so you know i know you said that if you don't vote you can't talk to me i'm a little bit uh harsher than that if all you did was vote i don't want to hear anything you have to say if you didn't knock a door uh, you didn't donate any money to the process. You didn't write any postcards, Facebook posts. Then well, you know <laughs> postcards. You know, regardless of how you feel about postcards, I don't think they have the best benefit. I think meeting people, talking to people where they're at, um, it has the the best output. Um, what about a neighbor to neighbor letter? What if they're at their mailbox? <laughs> um, Neighbor to neighbor letters are okay, and you know they have a return what twenty percent, maybe ten percent. That's that's not high. Um, voter contact 
talking to people, listening to their issues, communicating to what um, a certain candidate can do for them or a certain party can do for them. That's when you really win people over. And the whole thing of let's, you know, we're running to beat Trump. Um, we're running to beat Republicans is complete and utter BS. Stop saying it. It's terrible messaging. What we need to do is give people a reason to vote for a certain Democrat. Voting against someone is only going to last a cycle, if that. But giving them an infrastructure to vote for that's how you sustain someone for the long time. And just to follow up on your question about the the Democratic platform, um, reading the Delaware Democratic platform, which we all voted on um, in, in 2017, um, voting rights, ensuring and expanding the right to vote is the core value of the Democratic Party. We believe we should make it easier to vote by expanding early voting and voting by mail, automatic registration to voters, implementing same-day registration, and ending partisan and racial gerrymandering. Uh, no, you still said it wrong. <laughs> Gerrymandering. God damn it. So finishing up with the Democratic Party, we hope people read the platform, do their jobs. Um, yeah, I think it would be very important for 2020 is to actually, no, not 2020, July 2019. I think we should all take a, a moment to see. I mean, session is ending soon. I would like to see votes that have whatever. I would like to compare voting records versus the party platform. And that's going to help me determine. Delaware United does a amazing um, um, report card on. Um, but is that what they're? own personal platform that they support or is that judging based off of the platform that's in place i want so it's like imagine every time you went to get a coca-cola it just tastes a little bit different right like you'd be pissed off so when you have a we brand not sponsored by coca-cola <laughs> if they would like to sponsor Actually, yeah, so coca-cola would uh this is an editor's note if uh coca-cola or any uh any one large uh corporation would like to just give us money uh we'll take it anyone like oil you take that? Now, if you want anything for it, ah, that's a problem. Money from, you know, the company that literally killed union organizers down in South America? I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll take the money. This is Kobe Owens, and I would just like to say I support unions. Um, <laughs> Come on, we're big unions. You know what? I should have fucking got it. I do have one more thing I want to talk about. Um, on July 12th, we will be hosting a rally at Rodney Square um, yeah. called Lights for Liberty. And it's um, us going to be standing in solidarity with what is going on at these detention uh, facilities throughout the nation. Um, and thank God Delaware doesn't have one, but they are looking to move um, people who are being detained at the border to military bases. Um and I know Georgia is on the line of it. They are looking for more bases up and down the East Coast. Um, so I do hope our federal electeds um, and our, our governor as well um, fights against any of that happening here in Delaware. But I, I would like to say this. Um, for people who don't understand um, what is happening at these camps, it is atrocious, um, horrible conditions that are happening at these camps things we haven't seen in decades. We have children who are unable to take baths, use the bathroom. Um, I have talked to families of individuals who are in these camps who are 
telling me stories of sexual assault, who are telling me stories of how um, the the people, the guards at the camps are trading sets for food for the individuals who are in there. We have had over five kids, I, I think the number is seven, um, pass away um, due to these inhumane um, circumstances and and people keep saying oh well you know deportation and immigration it's not new you're right it's not new but what is going on under this administration this is something we haven't seen in a long time there is no reason why america with our history today we should be seeing kids locked in cages people having to sleep underneath bridges and and makeshift um makeshift jails we shouldn't see converted old walmarts and supermarkets um with no windows no sunlight children in there and people in there for months on end um or days on end um there is no record keeping going on um we've had multiple people here in delaware um who've been um picked up by ICE, whether it's at their job in Jersey or Philadelphia, um, and sent to Berks County um, detention facility. And right now there's a directive from President Trump saying that um, he wants major ICE raids in some of the major cities um, throughout America. And, and Baltimore is one of the closest to us, but Philly is going to be on that list very soon from what I hear. Um, which means Delaware's in that as well, too, because, you know, this administration disrespects Delaware because they don't consider us a state. They consider us a part of Philly, um, just like a lot of people, a whole different thing. Um, but this is something that we must stand up. We must fight back against and we must organize and mobilize and support people, not just here from Delaware, but throughout the nation who are going to stand up and do the same thing. ICE is not an agency that should be around anymore, and it should be 110% abolished. Um, and what is going on at our borders, the fact that we have deportation buses, the fact that we are separating um, four-month-old four babies from their parents at the border to use as a, a PR tactic to deter more people from coming to America is one of the most un-American things that you can possibly do. Um, so please come out. Uh, we're going to have a, a set of amazing speakers on July 12th. Um, it's going to be at Rodney Square. Um, so please join us. And yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to read this because it's, it's interesting that you said that while I was cleaning up the kitchen, I, I got this. There's a, there's a Google Doc out there and it's actually uh, six kids. <clears throat> and again, you know, kids are dying in concentration camps. I don't know when we're going to stand up and say anything about it, but let me read this. This was, this was on Twitter today. Alvaro uh, uh, Bedoya is a guy's name. Alvaro M. Bedoya on Twitter. <coughs> Darlene Cristobal Cordova Valley hadn't seen her mom in nine years. She came here to see her mom. She was hospitalized soon after she got here. Her mom asked for Darlene to be released to her. The government refused. She died on, the, on September 29th in our government's custody. She was 10 years old. <coughs> Jacqueline Amay Rosemary Kyle McQueen, McKean liked to climb trees. She jumped when her dad told her she could come to the United States with him. She thought she might get her first toy or, she, or her first pair of shoes. She died on December 8th in our government's custody. She was seven. 
Felipe Gomez Alonso was excited to come to the U.S. He thought he might get his own bicycle. His mom and dad <clears throat> let him make the trip after he got upset that his dad might still have to leave without him. He died on Christmas Eve and our government's custody was eight. <clears throat> Juan de Leon Gutierrez was shy, a good student. When he missed class to help his dad harvest coffee, uh, he'd run to catch his teacher after school to explain his absence. Uh, he died April 30th in our government's custody. He was 16. Vilmer uh, Jose Ramirez Vasquez. His mother brought him to the U.S. to get him medical care for a condition that left him unable to walk. Uh, he died May 14th in our government's custody. He was two years old. Carlos Gregorio Hernandez Vasquez loved playing the piano and the bass. His family called him Goyito. He had eight brothers and sisters. One of them, Edgar, had special needs. Carlos came to the U.S. to help support Edgar. He died in May 20th in our government's custody. He was 16. This, this, this is... Uh, <clears throat> you got to get out in the street now. Because this is unacceptable. <clears throat> the, even the fact that somebody would, would say, would have a conversation about like what to call these camps is an abomination to humanity. So, you know, Kobe made a plea for everybody to get out in the street, and I hope people think long and hard about those six kids that died in concentration camps in our government's custody, in our custody. So, there's something to think about. Sorry for bringing everything down. No, no, this is great. We just hope that people get off of um, Facebook and... Do some work. Do some organizing in the streets. Goddamn right. Um, maybe stop arguing about the semantics right. and how you as a very privileged person feel upset that perhaps certain words are being used, even if they are completely correct and the, the correct description of what is going on. But you're personally offended. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Mr. Action Anderson, do you have anything? I think uh, I'll just leave it here. I'll try to make this short, but I heard Carrie. Uh, she... She, it was a group setting that she was having this speech, but one of the things she said that is veterans have to speak up because people take certain messages from veterans a little better. So I'm going to step out on a limb and say, as a veteran, I'm totally disgusted at what this administration is doing. I'm totally disgusted with the Republican Party, with this whole support the troops rhetoric, because it's nonsense. Right now in Delaware, on Dover Force Base, there are families living on welfare. People don't like to talk about it a lot, but this happens. It's happening right now at this moment. There are people in our military and their families are on welfare. <clears throat> there are people, there are soldiers who are lost at, at war. And I am a veteran, so I'll say I feel like a lot of the wars we've been in, and the, a lot of the things that we've been mixed up in have not been for freedom, have not been for anything that's patriotic at all. And when this kind of stuff is going on in the home front, it kind of just makes that service even more of a, a weird thing to have participated in. I, I thank God that I'm not enlisted right now because, well, I don't need to, <laughs> you know, it's, it doesn't need to be a thought exercise, but I'm, I'm glad I served at the time I did serve in. I'm praying for those guys that are still in this because this is just ridiculousness. Like, I just can't imagine having to serve under the caring guy. I mean, who I think we all can agree. His hearsay, allegedly, Draft Dodger is now the commander in chief. The, the I mean, 
that's sick sicko mode i would like to say like you know and then and then with this kind of stuff going on and then you mentioned i didn't even hear that story about them wanting to put uh the camps on bases yeah that's disgusting let's use yeah. some of this money to to i mean they're 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 there's base housing, which is where our uh, military and their families live, where they're falling into disrepair and disarray. And it's like this money could be used to be helping those. It could be used to improve the VA. You have veterans committing suicide at rates higher than anyone else in the country right now. A lot of times, as of recently, you're seeing them right in VA medical center parking lots. You can kind of connect those dots. So it's like this whole support the troops and you're not patriotic if you don't want to protect the border. It's just nonsense. And like. There has to be some. There has to be another way to, to carry this out. So. No, I. Twenty twenty. So this is just. I agree with you. Twenty twenty is around the corner, um, and for the people listening, um, let's stop with the Twitter fingers, um, let's tie up our our shoelaces, let's let's grab a clipboard, uh, let's meet the people where they're at, let's educate people, um, and let's get people out there, um, and really meet them where they're at, right, um, so yeah. Um, Facebook posts about you disagreeing with people um, is pointless, um, especially if you don't understand what is actually going on. Um, if you cannot pitch your privilege to the side um, and really look into what is being done to people right now, the fact that it's un-American, um, I think you need to go back to school. And unpatriotic, let's say that as, yeah. as well. Un-American, unpatriotic. Like. Yeah. You cannot say that you represent this country and you you are in line with the ideals and then support kids, just anybody, but especially kids being treated this way. This is supposed to be a land of opportunity for everyone. I don't think there's any group here that really has a, a, a good claim on what's going on. So it's like, come on, man. We, got, we have to do better. So 2020. 2020. To be honest, this has been like one of the more calm episodes. Very chill. Yeah, very chill. Yeah, not a I lot of shade thrown. <laughs> not a lot. Nothing in here. It's like, oh, something's missing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, so twenty twenty. I'm, I'm, usually, I'm um, usually just too. Uh, I'm usually just too out of control. That's why. I'm glad. You, I'm glad you guys took the reins. Jesus, take the wheel. Twenty twenty. Uh, pay attention to um, elections throughout the state. Um, and I think. I think. Um, there's going to be a, some exciting primaries going on, um, especially in the first. Um, the first? So, yeah, yeah. The first what? The first district. Okay. Um, just pay attention to it. I'm guessing you're talking about Wilmington or the state senate rep. Which, which, first what? It's the first. First district. First district. First okay. district. First. Well, I mean, first it could district. be like city council district. We might know somebody. Who li- I mean, we don't know. First we don't know. Well, that elicited some excitement there. <laughs> I don't know. I saw a pole going around. Go eat the rest of this. Ready, so, break. <laughs> I, I'm I, again. I cut it. I cut. Maybe you just use this one. I'm really glad you guys came in today. I'm glad uh, for everything that you're doing, and uh, I hope to have. Uh,
some of our new friends back in here soon. So thanks a lot, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.